Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS ID 399801. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? It's another Friday episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast, and you have a couple of guys just being dudes here on the show. Funny how that works, huh? Uh, I am Kyle Krabs, the Director of Scouting at NDT Scouting, Draft Analyst for FanRag Sports, and I am joined by my co-host, Joe Marino, Assistant Director of Scouting with NDT Scouting, and today we are going to get into some of the notable... uh, headlines and takes and perceived implications of of said headlines. Uh, We've got four or five topics in which we're going to cover a lot of ground and uh, cover a lot of position groups and a a lot of buzzy names, a lot of first-round conversation names that we're going to get into today. So we're really looking forward to uh, covering some of the more prominent names for you guys today. Joe, happy Friday. What are your plans this weekend? I I have a feeling it involves a lot of tape a lot of writing, and uh, probably a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I, I'm still a little bit mad at you, man. You, you invite me to do, do the, you, you invite me to do this draft guide. We got this awesome subscription plan, 300 published reports, and uh, man, I tell you what, it's a cram session. And and I'm not doing anything to uh, to compromise the quality, but this is so much volume of work. I've I usually eval you know, 300 to 400 guys every year. I've been doing that for 10, 15 years, uh, you know, but then at the end of the day, it's a it's a very basic report of strengths, weaknesses, and summaries. Well, man, we are we are p- 
painting some high-resolution pictures here with these scouting reports, mm-hmm. and it is the undertaking of a lifetime, man. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, so I, I'm feeling all the heat to to, uh, to make sure that this thing is great and uh, make sure the publishing is there and obviously the, the content. So this is my life, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think casual people in the sphere realize, like, because we try to be so detail oriented, um, <laughs> how much time it takes. Like, it, it is literally you have the eval side and then you have the publishing side. So it's like two totally mm-hmm. separate time investments. Yeah, and and I mean, you were grinding out evals late November with, you know, guys that were injured or their, you know, their teams weren't going to make a bowl game. So they're basically done with film. And uh, I did a few. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get a few done. Uh, my, but my mindset was, yeah, after I get to the senior bowl, you know, it's more of a February, March. I can bang this thing out. Well, yeah, I'm going to get it done. <laughs> Nobody needs to worry. I, I mean, I'm pacing well. I have a daily quota to meet and it's, it's all doable and I've been doing it. But, um, you know, it's crunch time here. So it, when you ask me what my weekend plans are, <laughs> we know your weekend plans. <laughs> it's every day, man. Until literally, until I can't, uh, I can't stay awake anymore. And I'm getting good at that, man. I'm, I'm now a. Uh, I used to be the kind of guy, you know, ten o'clock. I'm, I'm fading. Eleven o'clock. I am, I'm out. Not, now I'm more of like a one o'clock. Oh, bless I you. Need to, I need to go to sleep. So I'm, I'm all kinds of out of whack. So good times, man. Wouldn't, wouldn't want to do anything else though. This is a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, this, uh, this is what guys do when they're being dudes. Yeah, man. Uh, um, I, I'm more the other way. So I'm, I'm an early morning eval guy. I got to be up before the sun. Uh, I start strong and I fade fast. I get like 5, 6 o'clock p.m. and it's like, okay. At this point, you, you can feel your mind drifting because you've been after it for uh, 11, 12 hours at some point, And it's... Walk away from it for about an hour and then come back and try and get one or two more guys done. So I, I do big blitz at the end, or at the beginning you do a, a big push early. Yeah, well, I'm get so i I'm so guilty of getting sidetracked, right? So in the morning you're kind of getting all the news stories and or, and Twitter, and it's just it's a big freaking time suck. So by the end of the day I'm kind of done with all that stuff, and I, well, and I laser it on reports. Here's the, Here's the good news. This podcast, I don't know if it counts for you because you're actually doing it, but this podcast can be like people's uh, one-stop shop so they don't have to get sidetracked with their work. We could be champions of the people and let the other people sit down and do their evals because they got to listen to draft dudes for 20 minutes and they got all the info they need. Yeah, so let's, let's deliver. I like that. We're the people's champion. That's right. Uh, why, don't, why don't you talk about Deshaun Watson's noodle arm quote-unquote oh man yeah didn't, <laughs> didn't realize he was the second coming of uh, case keenum and uh kellen moore you know i had no oh, idea geez. um so yeah this is interesting stuff right uh 49 miles an hour on the gun uh i guess the threshold's 55 if i'm not mistaken and three is it 53 okay so Looking over this historical historical data, it's always interesting, right? Because you want to take the data and see if you can find trends and then understand thresholds, and it's all good stuff, right? So Deshaun Watson, many people's quarterback, one uh, throws forty nine miles an hour at the gun, and um, it, everyone's concerned, right? Because there's never been a great starting quarterback with a forty nine mile an hour 
velocity test. And, and look, um, I, I, I struggle with this. Like, I don't understand the full where the numbers come from on what throws are they trying to throw it as hard as they can is it just out patterns or is it more is Deshaun Watson just trying to locate that football and take a little bit off of it because it's more important about the placement on these throws you know I here's what it all boils down to Kyle I've never watched Deshaun Watson in three years of film on Clemson and thought for one second he didn't have enough arm strength to make the throws needed in the NFL and uh, it's it's been something that you know I, I Clemson's a team I can't escape. Like I've done Watson, I've done all of his receivers, but you keep watching tape and of teams playing against Clemson on defense, and so you're continually seeing Deshaun Watson, even though you've done the eval. And, and I'm you know I'm kind of being more keen to this lately, and I'm seeing this guy thread it all the time. So um, you know we can we can get caught up on this 49 mile an hour thing, but. I just don't question the arm strength, so I'm not sure that this is really anything to talk about. Now, if, if you know, jokes on me if in three years Deshaun Watson can't get on the field on the field because he can't throw the deep out. But I just don't think we're going to be in that position, Kyle. Where are you at on this thing? Right, and, and I've you know since the combine, I've done three or four Louisville defenders. I've done uh, two more Alabama defenders. So naturally, I've watched probably 10 times Deshaun Watson since the Combine, indirectly. And there's instances in both games where he's getting... Because the throw that they're measuring that on is a... It's velocity the ball at 30 yards. So that can either be deep outs, it can be post patterns. um, And I believe they're directed to put it on the line. So... That's the the context, but I'm watching throws where just before halftime in the national championship game, Deshaun Watson is standing in a chaotic pocket and with a defender closing in on his face, puts a rope throw to the far sideline on the money, right on the guy's numbers with anticipation, and it's on a line. And then in Louisville, up the the left sideline, he's got a cover two beater where there's a corner route and uh, threads it right in between the sinking cornerback and the safety sitting over top in the sideline on the money. So they're burned into my memory now because I'm sitting here thinking Deshaun Watson threw 49 yards at a 30-yard throw, or 49 miles per hour on a a 30-yard throw. And then I see the application of the same stinking throw, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a money throw. So I don't... I don't really jive with the the concept that it's an issue. And there there is some interesting historical data. I believe the most notable exception to that rule within the past 10 years was uh, Tyrod Taylor, I believe, threw under uh, 50 miles per hour as well. And you watch Tyrod throw the ball, and I don't think anybody's questioning Tyrod's ability to throw the ball, right? Like in Buffalo, he was pretty much... Uh, touchdown to check down style passer. He liked to air it out. He liked to go deep with it, and he had strength to do it. So I, I just think it's an interesting correlation between usually guys that can't throw that hard don't have good arms, but just because you're not throwing that hard does not mean you don't have a good arm, if that makes any sense. So is it correlation or causation? I think that's really at the root of... The question here, and watching the film, I would side with the film 
because it's a functional application, especially when he's doing against high-caliber competition. And that was is what would make me lean to say this is not an issue. Yeah, and one one thing was probably notable for this discussion. Uh, you're listening to this on a Friday. We are recording this podcast on Thursday morning, and uh, the Clemson Pro Day is happening literally as we speak. Oh, we're so. So there could be some uh, radar guns flying <laughs> uh, at that. So there should be some additional information on that when you're listening to this. Yeah, it'll be, uh, be fun to see if somebody shows up with a gun. <laughs> because I've never heard of, like, pro day uh, velocity no. timing. So, yeah, like he's a starting pitcher, right? Now, now, what do you think of, what do you make of some people have, have taken this to another level where they're breaking down frame rate on film? Yeah, well, I mean... Um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that's an interesting topic with uh, one of the other guys we want to get into, and Corey Davis, right? Uh, people are doing that for his 40-yard dash time because we're not going to get one. Um, look, I, I guess maybe there's more application with it, right, that if, if he's hitting those marks in the game, it certainly matters a hell of a lot more than at the combine where he's probably trying to alter that ball speed to get, get accuracy. But, um yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe this might be over-analysis, if you ask me. That's fair. Speaking of over-analysis, let's talk about Corey Davis. So the question is, how badly does the fact that Corey is not testing going to hurt his draft stock? And I hate that concept of draft stock. You know, They, they don't fluctuate. It's just a matter of collecting all of your information. So that's why I try to avoid, do, avoid doing boards until I have all my guys done, because... I don't want guys moving up or down because guys are who they have always been and will always be. It's just how long does it take you to collect all that information. Um, Davis suffered a minor ankle injury in late January just before the Senior Bowl with his training for the NFL Combine. And as a result, he had a minor procedure at the end of January. Joe, what's the day today? Uh, three sixteen. It's the day after the Ides of March. It's the day after the Ides of March. And again, if you got you guys are listening on the seventeenth, come on, Joe. Oh gosh, oh, yeah. uh, this is above. <laughs> my... <laughs> you are not projecting to the next level appropriately. No mental so, processing so below it, average. It is less than three weeks into March, and February is the shortest month on the calendar. It's four weeks. So we are literally talking about six weeks ago. Corey Davis had surgery, okay? And people are asking, oh, man, he's got a bum ankle. He's not going to test at the pro day on three, uh, 316 or 315. Theirs was on Wednesday. Um, it, if any kind of procedure is going to take you at least two weeks to heal, right? Unless you're getting, like, a wart removed. So he's going to test with, with four weeks of training, when every when you see guys that are taking off and, and quitting their teams in November to train, <laughs> that makes zero sense. Why would you train? You know you're not going to be at the same competitive level as everybody else that's had two or three months to train for, for your testing. And you're going to try and condense it into four weeks and go out and run? I don't blame him at all. And, and I don't. I personally don't think it's any kind of indication on what the caliber or status of his ankle is, because we're going to get medical rechecks in the beginning of April anyway. Give us four weeks. He's going to have physicals with 32 teams. So, to me, it's moot. It's a non-point. Corey Davis's quote-unquote stock is not plummeting because he's not running, because it's, 
it's not an indication of anything as far as durability. It's just a question of he has not had time to heal and then train so that he can accurately display what his athletic ability is in the same comparison as what everybody else's is. You know, we had, we've already had this story play out before. I don't know if everyone remembers back in 2009, there was a wide receiver by the name of Michael Crabtree. Um, had a stress fracture in his foot right at, at the end of the season or somewhere in the draft process. He wasn't able to run uh, at the combine, wasn't able to run at the pro day. And guess what happened with him? He got drafted number 10 overall um, to the San Francisco 49ers in the 2009 NFL draft with the same type of, not the same injury, uh, but the same type of narrative in terms of not being able to practice or not being able to test and you don't have a 40 yard dash time on them well you know it didn't seem to affect michael crabtree's stock he went 10th overall and there could be an interesting parallel because there's the buffalo bills picking right there at number uh, 10 and uh sammy Watkins is the number one but who's the number two in buffalo right now philly brown <laughs> uh walter powell yeah. uh colby wilson listenby yeah you think Corey Davis isn't high on the Buffalo Bills draft board right now? Yeah, he is, and I and I think that's probably his floor, uh, Buffalo at ten. So um, I, it's an interesting parallel, and I th- think that um, uh, ultimately, you know, Corey Davis is going to be a top ten pick, and just like Michael Crabtree was. So I'm not sure if that came to your mind as well when we started this conversation. No, but I'm glad you brought it up because it, again, it's context, right? Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it's contextualizing. He is the best wide receiver in this class. And right. I, I know some people are still fans of Mike Williams. I like Mike Williams. Uh, but put those two films side by side, and the only thing that you can hang Williams' hat on is that he plays in the ACC and Corey Davis plays at Western Michigan. <laughs> That's it. Well, speaking of the best wide receiver in the class. Oh, uh, what a segue. Thank you. You put it on a tee for me. I so, do what I can. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so our, our good buddy, Mel Kuyper. Who I love. I love Mel Kuyper. He is the, the reason. He's the godfather. He's the reason that you're listening to a podcast right now on the NFL draft. There's that that there's nothing. We owe it all to Mel Kuyper. Right? He's a pioneer in this industry that set the table for everyone else that wants to be an NFL draft analyst and, and eventually monetize their efforts to do so. So thank you, Mr. Mel Kuyper. Uh, but I think it's important to understand what um what we do in compared to what Mel Kuyper does. Mel Kuyper is a draft forecaster. He's going to pride himself in delivering rankings and mock drafts that are accurate to what actually happens in the NFL draft, right? He's not forecasting, or he's not, he is forecasting, excuse me. He's not evaluating the talent pool and, and stacking up a board based on the way that you feel the uh, the talent stacks up based on your own evaluations. Now, uh, the reason I'm saying all of that is because uh, Mel Kuyper came out recently and said that John Ross will be the number one wide receiver selected in this draft. And I disagree with that. Uh, I think Corey Davis is a much better player. I think Mike Williams is a better player. Um, there might be somebody, some other players that are very close to him. So I don't think he's 
the one, two, and he might not be the three, depending on how some of my final testing uh, results come out and some of my other guys that are very similar to where I have have a John Ross. Uh, so John Ross, the reason that he's so buzzy right now, and let's keep in mind, he's a guy that uh, just had surgery, so uh, he, he just happened to get his done after the uh, the testing to go along with the meniscus tear already, to go along with an ACL tear, and now he's, it's a shoulder surgery, if I'm not mistaken, for a labor. Um, so uh, he goes out and he ran the 4-2-2. Kyle, I have a question. When you watched John Ross on tape, did you ever think he wasn't fast? No. No, exactly. <laughs> So, so, so John Ross went out and yep. confirmed Breaking what we news. already knew. John he's Ross fast. is fast. Yes. Now, look, he's historically fast, right? The fastest ever, and that's fine. That's great. But you can't count it twice. We knew he had elite play speed. Well, great. He has elite time speed. I'm not trying to take away from a 4-2-2 40-yard dash. That's unbelievably good. But it's, it's a confirmation of what you already knew. And if, you, if you're over... If you're overrating that, then you're using the data wrong. Um, we knew he's fast. He's historically fast, and that's fantastic. But uh, there's nothing different about his wide receiver traits. There's nothing about him running that 4-2-2 that makes him a better player than a Corey Davis or a Mike Williams. So um, it's interesting that Mel Kuyper uh, forecasts him to, to go to be the first receiver in the draft. Um, but ultimately, he's not the best football player in terms of being a receiver in this draft. Yeah, Joe, I got a question for you. Go ahead. How many more defensive backs can John Ross outrun now that we know he runs a 4-2-2 instead of a 4-3-1? The exact same. Okay. Yeah, I just want to confirm that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's that, that whole concept of diminishing returns. You get to a certain point and fast as hell is fast as hell. And that's John Ross's fast sell. We knew that. So it, I, th- I think he did a nice job encapsulating uh, Kuiper and, and big, quote-unquote, big draft. You know, your major media outlets now, they're, they're no longer looking to give you an assessment of the player. Uh, they're looking to forecast and, and be right because they have the inside sources, and teams know that. Teams play to that. Uh, I know for a fact some teams will go out of their way and look for other sources outside of Big Draft because they want genuine opinions instead of just, we know ESPN has sources with these three guys and NFL Network has sources with these three guys. Uh, Teams know where they're getting their information. So um, I'm sure this is kind of just somebody told Mel something that, hey, Ross had clean medicals. He ran, ran, uh, blew the doors off the place. He's probably going to go top 20. And Mel's probably also thinking, okay, teams are going to get Corey Davis's test numbers, so they're probably not going to like that. Uh, Mike Williams did not run at, at the Combine. He's only run his pro day. Uh, so you guys will know when this runs, uh, the show runs, what Mike Williams ran. Joe, over under 455. For Mike Williams? Mike Williams, pro day, oh, 40 yeah. times. Yeah, you know, he's going to come under that because it's a pro day. If he'd have ran at the combine, I, I think there's a reason he didn't run at the fa- at the combine. Fast guys are fast, slow guys are slow. Okay, so this is a beautiful segue into our next topic, and that is pro day adjustments. Uh, obviously, let's stop and think about there are some schools that are egregious offenders of this concept. You ever get like a two deep 
like a school's too deep, their death chart and their backups. And mm-hmm. you're reading through and you're like, oh, so-and-so's 6'2", so-and-so's 6'3", so-and-so's 250 pounds. I didn't think he was that big. And then they get to the combine and, <laughs> and uh, they come in two inches shorter and 10 pounds lighter than what they were billed at in college. Right? You could probably think of a couple teams right off the top of your head that do that. Uh, so, when we get formal numbers, when schools release uh, testing results from pro days, which I am not complaining, I think every school in the country should do it, uh, especially as somebody who collects those numbers, I need those numbers. So, hat tip to schools like Oklahoma and Wisconsin, who this past week uh, released a, a formal summary of the testing results from their pro days. And you get these, just know and understand that there has to be an adjustment for the hand timing as compared to electronic timing. Um, Somebody who I follow on Twitter who had a really, really interesting conversation about this, his name's Kent, and his Twitter handle, I suggest you guys go over and give him a follow, is at MathBomb. He does a really nice uh, study and assessment of player athleticism and size profiles, and uh, kind of similar to what I do with the PSAR. Uh, he's got a bit of a bigger data pool than I have, um, and he had gone out of his way on Wednesday to talk about um, pro day adjustments and how to adjust for pro days, and he said the average distance uh, between a pro day 40 time and a combine 40 time for the same player is nearly a tenth of a second across all positions. That is a staggering number when you think about the difference between four five five and four six five, or four three eight and four four eight, or for pass rushers four six five and four seven five. A really notable, uh, interesting concept to stop and make you think. So when you you see these numbers come out, just bear in mind. Uh, there's an adjustment that has to take place. I know Ethan Young, uh, at NFL Drafter, who just won um, Move the Sticks scouting report competition on NFL Network. So hat tip to Ethan. He's a good guy. Uh, Young kid. Very, very smart. Much smarter than me in math. Um, He does an adjustment as well for pro day timing. And uh, going back to Kent, Kent had has 115 Michigan players in his database. And he said they skew their hand-timed pro day numbers by 0.15 seconds, uh, which is a drastic, and that's on average, uh, drastic adjustment and skew towards a a positive benefit for players. So um, just bear in mind and, and keep that in mind because... Uh, no numbers is worse than skewed numbers, but skewed numbers can paint a very erroneous picture. So this, again, kind of just all to tie this back into relevance, is use the numbers to complement the film. I would uh, I would watch somebody like, say, Amara Darbo on Michigan, and I know he's fast, but if they come out on his pro day and they say, uh, yeah, Darbo ran 4-4 flat. No chance. He's fast. He's not that fast. He can separate and get get over guys vertically. Uh, But have those alarms in your head. If you get a couple of guys from the same school, you say, wow, I didn't think he was that fast. It's probably because he's not.
Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point, and um, yeah, we. We got uh, a lot of these pro days coming up. This Clemson one's going to be telling. Um, uh, Newsflash, I'll be in Chapel Hill next week for the North Carolina pro day, checking out Mr. Mitchell Trubisky and all those talented receivers. Bug Howard, we'll see how Elijah Hood looks and runs, and Des Lawrence, who wasn't a combine invite. So I'm excited to get up there. Uh, So you'll have to, uh, to keep along with me as I make my uh, my pro day journey up there. So we are going to wrap right there. We hope everyone has a fabulous weekend. Uh, we have a lot coming next week. Obviously, like I mentioned there, the UNC Pro Day is a big one, which we will have boots on the ground for. And uh, make sure you're keeping track with us uh, with a subscription, whatever you're listening to this thing on. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Kyle is at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. We have a Facebook page, NDT NDT Scouting, uh, on Facebook. Make sure that you look uh, look us up and give us a like. Uh, we are going to be back again for you on Monday. Until then, signing off for Kyle Krabs. I'm Joe Marino, and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Hey, folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy, performing, recording, traveling being a husband and a father it's a busy life and i need to be 100 every day so when my battery starts running low i grab a sugar-free vitamin packed five-hour energy shot it tastes great and it gets me back to 100 fast try it it could work for your busy life too for more information visit fivehourenergy.com Hey you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200 square foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard? With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS ID 399801. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.